There's so much negativity in the world today, and I think it's time that we change that, and that begins with us. You know, the world was already a negative place, and then the coronavirus hit, and I think it just uh, sort of made everything fall into a little bit of a spiral. People that already might be a little bit negative or down uh, feel even more so now. You know, no one wants to go through what we're going through. It's made everyone a little bit more edgy, maybe a little bit more agitated, even some people uh, pretty angry about the whole situation. But here we are. We're going through it. You know, uh, we're concerned about our health. We're concerned about the health of our loved ones. Uh, we're concerned about the economy, our own financial situation. We want to make sure our loved ones are provided for. And so that's a lot of burdens just to place on our shoulders all at once. And it's really, really too much. Um, we've had to deal with all of this. We've had to deal with a lot of change. We've had to make changes to our uh, personal living arrangements and habits and things like that. Changes in what we can do out in the community. Uh, everyone that I know uh, pretty much has a mask now. And uh, that wasn't something that was normal. But, you know, handling change is uh, really a key. It's a mark, I believe, of spiritual maturity. And the reason that I think that handling change is a mark of spiritual maturity is because the Christian life is all about change. Uh, God, from the very beginning of our relationship with him, changes us into the likeness of Christ, you know. But if I didn't know better, I think that some Christians, uh, upon their death, they'll stop at the pearly gates and they'll tell, tell St. Peter, well, I'll go in if it doesn't require any change on my part. Well, I hope that's not you. I uh, hope that you're able to handle change because I do believe that it is a mark of spiritual maturity. But today I want to take just a few minutes to remind you that the changes that God has for us are good changes. They're positive changes. And one of the things that God changes about us when we get saved, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, is he changes our name. And you might say, well, no, Pastor, I'm, I'm still called the same name that I was called before. And uh, yes, I, I obviously agree with that. You know, the name that your parents gave you, that, that's not changed. But uh, God has given you a new name, whether you knew it or not. And uh, he's, you've taken on a brand new name. For example, when a woman gets married, uh, she takes on the name of her husband, traditionally, and so, uh, and so it's a very similar thing with us and our relationship to God. But why does a woman take on the name of her, of her husband, of, her, of the groom? Well, it's because way back when the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, were being written, a person's name was the equivalent of their character. It was their persona or their personhood, the entirety of them. It wasn't just what you called somebody. Uh, but it was actually a reflection of who they were. And so when a woman takes on the last name of her husband, she's taking on his personhood. She is uh, taking on his character. It's a sign that the two have now become one. And so when God, upon our salvation, gives us a brand new name, what he's doing, he is joining us to himself. That doesn't mean that we become God. No, we're not and never will be God. But what it means is that we are joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, the very fact that God names us with a brand new name is significant because 
The act of naming something means that you have authority over that something. And so your, your kids, uh, for example, when they were young, you'd get them a puppy and uh, you'd give them the opportunity to name the puppy uh, in most cases. And uh, when you have a child, you, you name the child. A stranger doesn't name your child, um, but you, the parents, name your child. Uh, the child doesn't name himself, but someone over that child, an authority over that child, names the child. The child is given, or the puppy or whatever, is given a name by a superior. In fact, today, even as an adult, if you want to change your name legally, then you have to go to a superior. You have to go to a judge, and the judge has to sign off on that. And so you name things that you are over. And that, of course, is why grandkids name their grandparents, right? Well, anyway, I want to take just a few moments to uh, reflect a little bit more on something we touched on last week. Last week, we talked about how God has made us the bride for his son. We are the bride of Christ. And we talked about some incredible truths in that. And I want to explore that just a little bit more with you because I want to bring you some encouragement today. We're not getting a lot of encouragement in the world, but I want to bring you some today as we look at a little bit deeper at what it means to be the bride of Christ. And so I want you to keep one thing in mind. When I talk about us being the bride of Christ, I'm talking about you being a part of the bride of Christ. You are a part of God's church. And so I want to be very clear about this because the Christian life is not only about you. And being the bride of Christ is not only about you. It's about all of us together being the bride of Christ. You know, sometimes I think that the rugged individualism that we Americans love to love to have as a part of our uh, emotional or spiritual DNA, sometimes it might lead us to unbiblical outcomes. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes we hear things like, even, even in church, we hear things like, well, if you were the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus would still die for you. And, um, and I guess that's true, theoretically, but in reality, you're not the only person on the face of the earth. Jesus didn't die for only you, irrespective of anyone else. Jesus died for you, and he died for me, and he died for others as well. And so I, I, I bring that up because I sometimes encounter people who have come to this conclusion in their life. They say, well, you know what? I don't need the church. I'm already a Christian. I've got my ticket to heaven punch. I've been saved and sealed. I've been uh, washed in the blood of the lamb. And so the rest of my life, I'm just going to be a lone ranger Christian. And I just don't need to be around God's people. Well, one of the things that I hope doesn't happen as a result of this coronavirus crisis is that I hope that type of attitude does not become more prevalent. I hope, certainly hope that's not your attitude because uh, Christians need to not get used to being away from God's people. And someday soon, I'm going to talk more at length about why you need to be involved in church. Uh, but right now, I'll just say this. You know, in this message, when I talk about the bride of Christ, or I talk about being a new creation, or I talk about being the masterpiece of God, I'm talking about all of us as God's church being that. 
So you individually, solo, by yourself, you individually are not the bride of Christ. You are part of the bride of Christ. You are not the whole thing yourself. And you individually are not the, the sum total of the new creation that Christ has made. You are a part of it if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're not the whole thing. And you individually are not the one and only final product that God calls his masterpiece. You're a part of it. You're very precious to God, but you are not the whole thing yourself. And so please understand, I'm not diminishing in any way the transformative power of God in your life. What I'm saying is that if you have an individualistic mindset that gives little thought to what God is doing in his church collectively, then you are probably misinterpreting scripture. And I would say that you're probably also applying those misinterpretations in a way that causes you and the rest of God's people to not experience God's best. And so I don't want that for you. What I do want for you is for you to understand just how incredibly privileged and blessed you are to be a part of the bride of Christ. So let's take a few moments. We're going to look at a couple of different scriptures together. And we're going to start at the very end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22, verse 4, where John is writing to us about what it's going to be like in the new heaven and new earth. And he says this in this verse, that they, the meaning us, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And so as the bride of Christ, we take on his name. We are so united to Jesus that we have his name, that his name and our name is one and the same. We take on his name. You know, even today, we do that in a sense because we are called Christians. And uh, that may have been watered down over the years, but the word Christian literally means little Christ, or it means uh, Christ-like, similar to Christ. And that's who we are called to be. It doesn't mean that we think that we're the Messiah. You know, there's only one Messiah, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. But he is building his character in us. And I want you to remember that a person's name, as I said a few minutes ago, reflects his character. And so if we are called by Christ's name, if one day we will have the name of God written on our foreheads, then we need to act in a manner, we need to behave in a manner that is consistent with his character, with his nature. Okay, so Revelation 22 verse 4 again says, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word workmanship in my translation is the word poema in the Greek, and it sounds like poem, and that's exactly where we get the Greek word poem. Uh, we are God's poem. We are God's special creation. We are his masterpiece. You know, every great artist, every great musician, every great writer or author has a masterpiece that rises above all others. And of all of the creation of God, of all of the wonders of creation, nothing is more beautiful or more precious than the bride of Christ. And you are a part of that. 
And so that is a special thing that God has done with you. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. You know, uh, the bride of Christ herself is a new creation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says that we are one new man. What that means is that there's no longer any type of uh, separation between Jew and Gentile, any type of ethnic separation, any type of wealth separation. Uh, it doesn't matter what skin color you, you have or, or what language you speak or anything like that. If you are found in Christ, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has made you a part of one new people. It's something new that God has done. And so as a member of the bride of Christ, you're part of something that has never existed before. Humans have existed ever since God created Adam way back when and ever since then. But the bride of Christ is something brand new. It is the newest and best creation of God. And so we're we're still humans, of course, but uh, we are now Holy Spirit empowered. We are now resurrected by faith in Jesus and we are glorified by God the Father. And so it's an exciting thing to be a part of God's family. Being a part of God's church is a pretty neat thing. In, the, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. You know, the bride of Christ has in her the very nature of God himself. And so through the spirit of God, the life of Jesus flows in us. You know, you see that kids will look like their mom or they'll favor their dad or something like that. They act like their parents. They have the same tendencies as their parents. But in the same way, the bride of Christ is just like him. We have God's character. We have the character of Jesus in us, flowing through us. And so that's why we have the capacity to love not only each other, but to love not only neighbors, but even to love enemies who are against us. God has given us this capacity. It is the love of Jesus flowing in us. Ephesians chapter one, verse four says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, You see, before the world was made, before the fall happened, before humanity entered into sin, God made a decision. And the decision was this, to create a people who would be holy and blameless. They would be received as children into God's family. And so could the fall of mankind, could Adam's sin somehow destroy God's plans? Well, no, absolutely not. Could Adam's sin or our own sin somehow blemish or diminish or derail the worth of the bride of Christ? No, not at all. You see, the bride of Christ is flawless because the bride of Christ began in the very mind of God before the fall, before sin ever entered the world. She is spotless. She is perfect. And you are a part of the bride of Christ. You know, I want you to know today that you cannot be rightfully condemned. You might do some wrong things, and so might I, but we cannot be rightfully condemned. What God has said has no condemnation. Man cannot argue against. Even the devil himself 
has no argument against that. And because you are a part of the bride of Christ, you're a part of something supernatural. You are a part of the love of Christ. You're a recipient of the love of Christ for he is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And so I don't want you to think less of yourself than you ought because the things that the Bible says that I've quoted today are true. And I don't want you to think higher of yourself than you ought because you did not deserve this status. You did not earn it, but it's been a wonderful gift that God has given us. The salvation that we enjoy, it is a precious, gracious gift from a loving heavenly father. And it's because the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, died for you, yes, and was raised for you. If I can be of any assistance to you, please reach out to me at david at broadviewchurch.com. God bless you. Have a good day.